hi, this is Jonathan. Um, my dad didn't like to stay quiet while watching TV or movies. He was an avid commentator, and he didn't set a filter for himself either. At times, he could be funny and an active participant in whatever he watched. My favorite TV-watching phrase of his is, you're dead. Never mind that he might be talking about someone who was about to get chopped or even just in trouble in whatever story they were in. His commenting habits could be problematic, though, when he saw content that wasn't heteronormative. He would call things bakla. Growing up, I thought that bakla meant anything queer, although I've since learned that it's usually someone who is born male and has adopted feminine attributes. Dad did not use the term positively. It still has a harsh taste in my mouth, saying it and hearing it. Bakla equals queer equals bad. Growing up as a male who wasn't especially masculine, I felt unclean, unsavory, less than. It wasn't until I found my band geek friends in senior year that I felt especially comfortable in my gender performance and my sexuality. This week's book, The Cardboard Kingdom, is about finding that squad early in life and finding people who will love and support you. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Abby. And you're listening to Stop, Read Read This. Each season, we'll cover one theme in children's literature. Every episode, we'll examine a book in that theme. And this season's theme is queerness. Uh, today we're talking about The Cardboard Kingdom by Chad Sell. Um, it's a story or a book about a group of neighborhood kids who build a cardboard kingdom during their summer. Um, and each kid develops their own character and sort of interacts with each other accordingly. Um, the book is structured episodically with each chapter about a different character and their backstory. And then it sort of moves the book along towards the end of the summer. Oh my god, I'm so excited. I've been waiting a full week for this book. Yes, and... Full disclosure, when I gave this book to you, Abby, you were like, mm, it's not a picture book. And you had to read the whole thing. But did you I like it? I liked it, and I still don't enjoy graphic novels. Well, that much. I like them because they're full of pictures. Too many pictures. And words. But and you so will like, like this I'm, one. Okay, well, you'll love this one. I like graphic novels a lot, so. That one's on you. What do you think about it? Other full disclosures: there are not actually queer characters. They're not named as queer, but I think they're a little coded queer as queer. adjacent. Well, maybe queer adjacent, but they decided not to name it. Okay. Well, I love this book. But I'm going to hold on. What? You, you say what you're going to say. Okay, fine. Um, so... Um, I think the reason why I chose this book, I, I think when I was reading this book, I like just in my head, the way that the characters were coded, I thought that they were queer, but then I realized as I was reading, as I was rereading it, that they weren't explicitly named that way. Um, the thing that I really, really loved about this book, uh, was how the, okay, well, I'm gonna, okay. Okay. We have like a bunch of talking points. So like, (sighs) Okay. That's gonna come out really mingled Take out a right breath. now. <sighs> no. No. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Well, so I think what I love most about this book is um, one. 
okay, sidestepping a little bit. Whenever I watch like TV shows or movies or whatever, one of my favorite parts isn't like really the like the plot of it all. I love watching like all the characters sort of like hang out, which is kind of why I'm drawn to sitcoms. That's why I love TV shows like New Girl. Uh, and How I Met Your Mother, well, I haven't really watched it as much, but like 30 Rock as well, where it's just like characters bouncing off of each other. Uh, and so one thing I really liked about The Cardboard Kingdom was the kind of community that they build throughout the process, the the plot of the whole, the whole novel. Uh, and it was cool to see all the characters like... Uh, uh, it was cool to see a community and, and like the whole kingdom just gel together. Um, one of the things that I loved the most uh, was like the way that they all, by the end of the book, they came together and sort of became friends. There's this really interesting, this is going to be non-queer related and we'll get to the meat of it in a little bit, um, but there's this really interesting chapter about these rivaling, um, like, there's like almost like a lemonade, lemonade stand, but uh, not because they don't sell lemonade. Oh my god. What? The well, it's the alchemist and the blacksmith. I wanted to get the names right. I love the blacksmith. Uh, but and I probably am most like the alchemist. Mm, okay. TBH. Well, uh, what I loved about this one, <laughs> I, I remember reading this with a kid and then being like, this is about what capitalism does to you because they're like trying to outsell each other and they like end up becoming these rivals. Um, but then in the end, sort of the lesson is to work together and collaborate uh, in order Except to make a better place. One of them place. doesn't know that she's being a rival, and well, that's funny. Well, okay. There's one who is just very, very competitive, and the other one's just like, oh, I'm having fun making things. I didn't know we were trying to compete. Well, I think that chapter really encapsulates what first drew me to this book, um, because they end up oh well also like the whole ending where they like have the whole like sequence of like monsters that they have to defeat and there's this like whole quest and they're like coming together to like uh give the kids like one last big journey um i love that sort of community aspect of the book true true well what i really love about this book is that from the very beginning um gender roles are totally um under attack so we've got the sorceress, and the sorceress is played clearly by someone who is a boy. But my favorite story uh, along this line It's is my favorite, too. No, you already said what your favorite was <laughs> in the beginning of this. You can't have 5,000 favorites. Okay, fine. But my favorite is my favorite. of... No. It's my favorite. Okay. I'm talking... The Banshee. And the Manchie is this girl who just really loves to, I don't know, wreak havoc. She loves being loud. She loves being boisterous. And um, when I first saw the picture of her, I thought, oh, she's the Incredible Hulk. And uh, one evening she gets, um, she's being taken care of by her grandmother who has very traditional views of what women and girls should be like. Um, and says that she needs to be quiet and a nice girl who is not loud. Um, and the Banshee really internalizes this. And on um, one of the pages, um, it's a picture of the girl Banshee, and she's writing in her notebook all of these things, all of these negative um, messages that she keeps getting from her grandma, that she's a loud mouth, that she's a Banshee, she's a Hellion. Um, and she's so loud that she needs to be quiet. And um, 
this really reminds me of Invisible T-Shirt that we learned from... Um, America to Me. America to Me. And from specifically Jessica Stovall. And how every person carries around this invisible T-Shirt of what people put on them and see them as. Um, I don't know. And so what? Well, what's interesting to me about Banshee is that can I talk about the ending? Yes. Well, anyway. And so in the ending, she decides to, like, reclaim this title that she's been given to, given by her grandma. Uh, and uh, she uh, decides to call her character named Banshee. Um, and what's interesting about the t-shirt is that she lives a life, like W.B. Du Bois says, well, not really, but, like, mm, a oh, little modified no. version it's of like this. It's a fake quote. It's not, I'm not going to fake quote it, but, like, I think about it a lot. It's about, like, the difference between how you view yourself versus how others view you. And so her grandma's like, you gotta live this way because this is how girls be. And then she's like, nah, this isn't the way I want to live my life because my truest self is, like, to be loud and boisterous and uh, the banshee. And so she reclaims that title, and I think that's, well, I will let you speak about it. That's what I love about this. I mean, I connect to it, too, because our grandma was very similar and wanted us to be very prim and very polite and reserved. Um, I remember going to elementary school one day, uh, or before elementary school, and I was watching the Care Bears, and the Care Bears were making faces, and so I made faces at the TV, and my grandma said, as many adults have said, um, your face is going to freeze like that if you keep doing that. I thought, oh, that would be an interesting face. It's funny. I actually don't really remember Grandma having a lot of expectations for me. Which now that I say that, a lot. oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and she never even asked about girlfriends. Maybe once or twice, or she like I don't remember her like holding me to like a male or masculine expectation. Well, she probably had them. I mean, there there were generational things going on there and. Um, ideas of what how women should behave and I think the Banshee story really encapsulates this idea of like you know kids aren't always going to follow the expectations or the norms that we have in our minds and why should they? They should just be they should be themselves. I think it's really cool, too, that in a lot of the stories here, the kids have these very unrestrained views about themselves that aren't bound by what, like, social conventions would say they would need to do. Like, there's the banshee. And then uh, I'd also like to segue into, like, this other part. Um, I super-duper love the sorceress. Is the sorceress also your my favorite? favorite. Wow. Okay. She's my favorite. Uh, <laughs> the sorceress is this, like kind of like they want to do like what is it called like the suicide squad or like the avengers but for evil people i don't know i don't watch avengers i don't either they like (laughs) she wants to like make this like super troop of like evil doers evil yeah evil she's my i love her so much uh so the sorceress is this um i don't know how to label or to name it but uh i think probably like born male um child who uh, loves dressing up and being a sorceress and being evil, and she has this, like, really amazing conversation with her mom. I'm, like, stalling low-key because I need to find where this... Oh, yeah, here it is. 
which is the the source of the title of our episode, um, where the mom's like, ah, no, Jack, that you like to dress up and I'm okay with it. You know that, right? And then Jack slash the sorceress is like, yeah, I guess. And then she's the mom is like, but I'm wondering, I mean, like, is it really just dress up and make believe? And then who is this sorceress? And then Jack slash the sorceress says, she's what I want to be, magical and powerful and amazing. I mean, she, the mom is trying to have this good moment with her kid and say, yes, I accept you as who you are. And the kid, Jack, the sorceress, is just saying, well, I just want to be someone awesome. Yeah. Which I think is at the heart of all of the characters. And now that I'm thinking about it, we were talking before we started recording about, oh, well, we, like, Jonathan only knows the characters by their alter ego names. And I was trying to to have a conversation with him using their given names. Um, But I think what's really great about, um, and what's really central to this book is that the kids they kind of pave their own path and create their own identity. I mean, visibly with their costumes and then in the story, they're really identified as their alter ego and much less by their given name. Yeah. And this is, well, I had put this down to our notes and I'm like, what does that mean? And I'm like, going, I'm going to talk about it. Uh, one of the things that I love, oh giving God. me face right now. One of the things I love about this and the, the word performance kept coming up and Part of it was, like, gender performativity, like, the way that your gender comes out the way that you perform it. So, uh, blah, 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 gender suspect, blah, 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 blah. You perform gender not 100% uh, man, not 100% woman, um, blah, 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 blah. But, uh, so that idea of performance came up to me, or came up as I was reading this, uh, especially how the kids can put on and take off their, like, gender performance. Um, but then also this idea of like performing uh, what you want from this world. So Abby was just talking about how like you, uh, the kids are like paving their own destiny and that sort of came as a narrative and thematic through line for me. Um, but in terms of performance, like the kids put on these performances to sort of make the world that they want and to make the, the most perfect world for themselves as they're sort of just like playing through the summer. Um, Oh, my other favorite. Oh my gosh, they're and all so, your favorite. Okay, okay, one of my other favorites is the mad scientist who does this a lot too. And so the mad scientist is, uh, I believe she's Dominican. Yeah, that's another kind of amazing part about this book is interweave, woven, 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 interwoven oh, well. throughout all of the stories are so many layers of identity. So really, primary is um, are all these gender questions and gender fluidity things wow i'm using a lot of really great words but then also there are layers around ethnicity there's layers around um friendship and in and out groups and the mad scientist is a great example of um also how different parents respond to their kids uh, what I love about the mad scientist is a, she is this uh, girl who dresses up as a mad scientist and she uh, performs like experiments on people to like fix them um, and she oh it's so cool she uh, talks about like Dominican mythological figures and like tries to create those figures as she's fixing the people but then her dad teaches her to like 
one of the cool lessons is that her dad teaches her not to fix things, but to sort of enhance or to build onto their difference. Uh, and then going parallel to that is she, as a mad scientist, she dresses up as this like crazy Einsteinish ish uh, figure with like a mustache. Is that what's on your face? Yes, a bigote. Oh. Okay. And her dad is like, why are you dressed up like that? What are the people going to think? And what do like, our community say back home when they see you dressing up like a man? Uh, and then her mom's like, don't you understand that she like loves dressing up like that because she is she loves resembling you? Um, and part of the thematic through line here is that she, first off, that she, instead of trying to fix things, she like she builds onto their difference and makes them distinct and unique as the mad scientist. And then the other one is that she gets to perform this like magical scientist uh, act or character who uh, who builds onto the world and makes the world uh, a better magical, more magical place for for her friends. Yes, and well, and the moral of the story and many of the vignettes in this whole book is that all of these kids are just trying to be who they are and we should just get out of their way for sure is my lesson speaking of being who they are there are a lot of stories in this book that are very definitely not queer related or even gender related but they are it's like okay abby's gonna hate this because she hasn't seen it it's like orange is the new black but for kids because all of the characters gets his backstory Everybody gets a backstory, oh. and so there are a lot of under the sur- this under the surface narratives, um, and what? Okay, keep going. Well, and they uh, a lot of kids who seem like jerks or bullies get their own very very compelling backstories that sort of explicate who they are and why they are. Well, mostly there's just one jerk. And I one think bully. there are at least two. Okay. Well, you should talk about. So the first character is the bully, and the bully, through most much of the stories, is makes fun of all of the the children as they play along. He thinks that he's above it, or they're too um, childish, and he makes fun of them. But when you find out when he goes home, um, all he wants to do is belong to any group. And so I think it's his grandma, mm-hmm. another grandma in the story, who says, "Just make something." and have fun with it um and so we find out through this side story that you know just like everyone else he wants to belong well and there's more too there's a really very interesting throwaway line uh and by throwaway i mean like it's just so fast um I feel like he, the Chad Cell builds a whole backstory in one line. I don't know if you remember this. The grandma says, he says, well, why can't I just go back home to my mom? And then the grandma says, oh, well, your mom has to take care of herself first. And so it's interesting because I, I can build this, like extrapolate this whole story of like, I think that his mom is like in treatment or has an addiction. And so he has to go live with her, uh, his grandma. And that would explain a lot about why he doesn't feel like he fits in because he's spending this whole summer away from his home. And uh, connecting this back to kids, I feel like there are a lot of kids who have these like very, I don't wanna say compelling because they're not, that would be objectifying their stories, but very full backstories that we don't come to understand when they come to our classrooms. And to know their stories would be able to know their motivations and who they are. Yeah, kids are 
just as complex, if not more, than we are. I mean, they're going through some really difficult times at very young ages, having not had much time on this earth to really cope with some of the things that they have to deal with. And so I think that's also an important note to take is, you know, even though kids in general come to school really happy I think they enjoy being around their friends and they for the most part enjoy being around the adults that are at the school um, all of them have complex lives um, and we should make space for that true so <sighs> I have a question okay um, so you already named five of your favorites there are so many. Every chapter is my favorite. Yeah. Well, which... Five stars. Okay. Which alter ego or character story do you relate to the most? I have mm. one. And it has nothing to do with queerness. Uh, Not that I'm queer. Well, okay. So, my favorite one... Okay, relate to... Yes. Okay, I would say my favorite one Okay, well, you is, already said favorite, so which one do you relate to the most? Okay, well... Don't take mine. I'm going to be upset. Okay, I really love Miguel and the Prince. Okay. Do you remember this one? Mm -hmm. And so they're, like, reenacting this movie. First off, I loved movies as a kid, and I loved making movies. Um, They were not good. But, so they're making, they're watching this movie, and they're, like, reenacting this, like, prince saving a princess, and then uh, Miguel plays, well, eventually they, like, go through this whole thing, but then Miguel eventually plays the princess, and then he's, like, saved by the prince, and they, like, they have this moment where they're like, we don't have to kiss, even though that's in the movie, blah, 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 blah. And then they, like, basically the scene kind of ends there. They, like, end up tumbling, and there's, like, a little bit of tension, but not. I think it was interesting. I love this because there's, like, this... uh, I think deep down I'm a little bit of a romantic, and having this, like, quasi-romantic moment that's, like, clearly queerly coded um, in in the book was, like, a fun read for me, but also, like cutesy I don't know uh but that's why I liked it because I think I'm a romantic at heart does it remind you of your high school crushes or elementary crushes I didn't have elementary crushes high school a little bit like you're gonna have a prince a prince Prince charming I don't really need a prince charming I just need someone to give me cake carry you and give you cake carry me and give me cake (laughs) (laughs) okay Here's my favorite. Here's my banshee. favorite is not the banshee no, or the person. The character that um, <laughs> the character that I relate to the most is the professor. Oh, God. professor everything. This um, little boy really loves facts and data, and he kind of uh, in the beginning of this little story, um, like puts it in the face of his other friends like his friends are trying to construct this imaginary world and all he can come up with are reasons why the imaginary world won't work and so he is a know-it-all as I am am I much of the time and to help him out his mom no his dad gives him a book and the book is titled how to make friends and this um, vignette is about the professor following the steps of this book. Tip number one, you have to smile. Tip number two, ask someone about their day. And tip number three, lend a helping hand. And the catch of this whole thing is that none of these things work because they're not genuine to him. Um, but I relate to it because I feel like 
I have to very purposefully take steps to make friends and be friendly with people. So totally connect with Professor Everything. Well, you know, in the end of that chapter, Professor Everything makes friends with someone who likes comic books. So does that mean that your next step is to make and read comic books? Um, maybe, but mostly that it taught me that I just have to be friends with the people that I enjoy, and I don't have to be friends with everyone. How about that? Okay. So, I have another question. Okay. Um, this might be my last one. But if you were to add on a chapter... For you, what would your alter ego well, be? BTW, there's going to be a sequel to this, so maybe Chadzel is listening and is going to put Chad me into, into the book. Um, if I were... Okay. If I were going to be a character that is going to be part of this neighborhood, truthfully, I would probably be the character that's, like, sitting in his room watching. Oh, you know what? There, um, the hermit? The hermit, yeah, I would be the hermit. It's the friend that Professor Everything no, makes. No, you can't take someone else's okay, character. Well, it would be something similar. Own. I would be sitting under my blanket, watching people. It's summer, it's like 90 degrees out. We don't have air conditioning. I'm sitting under my blanket, watching people have fun. And I just have my whole journey there, and I just watch. That would be my chapter. Oh, like rear view mirror? No, what is that? Rear um, mirror? Rear, rear mirror. window? Rear window. I mean, Alfred Hitchcock. Okay, but just no one be gets this, murdered. Like invalid, sitting from his room, watching, watching someone get murdered. Yeah, well, watching all, all the things happen. Yeah, sure, that sounds fun. Okay. Okay, who would you be, um, or what would your chapter be? Well, so I already have a gangster name that I think we could, I could turn into a chapter. My little gangster name is Abby Two Spoons, um, and that comes from anytime I'm out to get dessert. I always grab the other person's spoon that I'm with so that I have two spoons. Okay. And I would just have double dessert. Oh, so are you, like, eating at the inn in this situation? Maybe. Okay. Well, don't get poisoned. Okay. So, it's time for everyone's favorite section. Who is everybody here? You and me. Okay. Okay, it is. Stop. Do this. Do this. Okay, um, so I have a little bit of a fun, serious one. So a few weeks ago, by the time this is aired, a few weeks ago, the women's national team will have won, or they did win, the Women's World Cup. Congratulations, Megan Rapino and the rest of you. But my recommendation is to buy and eat Luna Bars. Um, and I know, okay, so hear me out. Luna Bars, uh, and I'm really late coming to this information, but back in April, they found out how much the women's national team got paid just to be on the team, and it was a full $30,000 less than the men's when they get to be on a team. And the men don't even win. They don't even win trophies, and they get $30,000 more. And so Luna pledged to bridge that pay gap. And so my suggestion is eat Luna bars. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. My suggestion is not an eating one. It's a listening Surprise. one. Surprise. I know. I really do like eating. 
Mine is, I'm also late to the game. I did not hear about her until she got big this summer. So you're a hipster. You're a hipster fan. And I wanted to be a hipster fan, but I heard about her when she was popular. And it's Lizzo. If you listen to her album, Cause I Love You, that's an amazing recommendation from start to finish. Uh, The songs are amazing, and they're all about self-empowerment and women empowerment. And actually, she also talks about race in there, too. So it's a very, very fun, uh, amazing album. It's full of bangers, but also it's, like, very, very meaningful. I would also highly recommend her EP, Coconut Oil, which includes one of the funniest songs I've heard, Phone, and also one of the most, uh, the prettiest songs I've heard, uh, this summer, Coconut Oil. Uh, so those are two recommendations, actually one recommendation, because it's a it's a twerking flautist Lizzo. Um, but that's so my recommendation. listen to your music while, listen to Lizzo while eating your Luna Bars, and... Come back in another week for our next episode, baby. Maybe. Bye. Bye.